Thanks for watching today. Throughout the program, you'll notice this graphic. It's there so you know we'd love to pray with you. You can send us an email or go online. Also, this is a great way to keep in touch with us. Today, Pastor Duane is talking about Pentecost. It's history and how it's relevant to us today. Take a look. Today is Pentecost Sunday, right? This is the day the church was born. And actually, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church takes place this day. And it's prophesied by John the Baptist in Matthew 3 in verse 11, where he said, Indeed, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoe I'm not worthy to carry. And he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So a lot of times what we think as Christians, man, I wish I could have been here 2,000 years ago to be a part of Jesus' ministry. And we fail to realize Jesus still has a ministry. Right? Jesus has a present-day ministry that has three parts. There are three things Jesus is doing today. Right? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that he ever lives to make intercession for you. He's praying for you right now. Number two, Jesus said, I will build my church, and he is building the church today. And number three, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That is part of what Jesus is doing today. Now, you and I, we're part of the church, and Jesus is the head of the church, and anything Jesus is doing, we want to get in on, right? So after Jesus' resurrection, he appears to his disciples, and he breathes on them, and he says, this is in, in John chapter 20, he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want to ask a simple question. When he said that, did they receive? Yes, they did. They received. And the Holy Spirit came and was on the inside of them. Right? But yet in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with the disciples for 40 days. The Bible says he's speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And he said to them that they should not depart, he said. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. Now that phrase, promise of the Father, it comes up again in the next chapter. And he explains it right here. Wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost not many days hence or not many days from now. So the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus is telling his disciples, who he's already breathed on and said, receive the Holy Spirit, he's telling them, hey, you guys need to wait because something more is coming. Right now the Holy Spirit is in you, but what's coming, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, literally immersed in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus tells the purpose of this. In verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power. Literally dunamis. We get our word dynamite from this word. After that, the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, and in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, the purpose of this baptism of the Holy Spirit is to give you power to be a witness. And just look at Peter. Peter, before, he's, he's hiding. He, he renounces Jesus, actually calls down curses on himself, saying, I don't even know who he is. But after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he stands up in front of thousands of people and preaches a fiery sermon and says, you're the ones who crucified the Lord of glory. So the day of Pentecost comes. They're all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them diverse or divided tongues as of fire that sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Peter, as people run together and they're hearing and seeing what's taking place, they, they, they say, what's going on? And this is what Peter said. He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He said that in the last days. Now, somebody asked me recently, are we in the last days? Absolutely. Because the last days began on the day of Pentecost. He says, it'll come to pass in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. This is not just something for that day, 2,000 years ago. This is something for us today. And Peter said, this is that that Joel prophesied. And as Peter preaches his sermon, the people said, what do we need to do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, what promise? The promise of the Father, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's unto you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. First of all, notice it says to repent and let every one of you be baptized. Repent and be baptized. 27 times in the New Testament, we find water baptism. And every time it is subsequent to repentance. Repentance and then water baptism. Not water baptism and then repentance. If you, were repent, if you had water baptism before you repented, it was a dedication. Somebody dedicated you, right? And that's good. But what you need to do now that you've repented is you need to follow the New Testament pattern and you need to be water baptized. And he says, and you'll receive the gift. Everybody say gift. You see, you don't earn the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift just like salvation is a gift. You didn't get really good and get all the sin out of your life and get perfect and then God saved you. Salvation was a gift. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is a gift for the promise, the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's to you, to your children, to all who are afar off. We are those who were afar off. It is for us today. It is for the last days, which began then and are still continuing until Jesus comes. In the book of Jude, Jude says to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith what Christians believe, what God does, what Christianity is, was given how many times? Once. For how many? For all. For all. What God did then, God is doing today. What you find in the book of Acts and Romans and Corinthians, that's what the church is to look like today. Right? But now this, notice, Jesus breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. They received but he told them, wait, because you still need more. There is going to be a second experience with the Holy Spirit, and it's going to endue you with power. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask. It's not something that is automatic. It is something that we, the Bible tells us we need to ask for. In, in Acts chapter 8, we, we see the New Testament pattern 
we see the New Testament church working. And they send Philip down to the city of Samaria. And the Bible says he preaches Christ to them. And the people with one accord give heed, seeing the things which Philip, hearing the things which Philip spoke, and hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice. Many of them that were possessed, but by men that were possessed with them, they were taken with a palsy, that were lame, were healed. There was great joy in that city. But then verse 12, listen careful. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they believe Philip as he's preaching the gospel and they're water baptized. Now in Mark 16, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. These people are saved. These people are on their way to heaven. These people are forgiven. They're a part of the kingdom of God. They're a part of the family of God. But notice verse 14. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now listen to this next verse. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them or any of them. Were they saved? They believed they were baptized, but the Holy Spirit had fallen upon how many of them? None. None. And the apostles were not surprised. When they heard that they believed and were baptized, they sent Peter and John to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And when they laid their hands on them, the Bible says, they received the Holy Spirit. Again, it is subsequent to salvation. The same thing happens in Acts chapter 19. And in here, we find Paul, he comes to Ephesus and he finds some disciples. And he said to them, listen to this, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? When? Since you believed. At salvation, it is automatic. You don't even need to know the Holy Ghost exists. If you receive Jesus, he's going to come on the inside of you and he's going to live in you. He's there. That's not what this is about. This is about a baptism. You know, there's a difference between taking a glass of water and having a drink and going swimming. And baptism literally means to be immersed in. So what Jesus is talking about is about your being immersed, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And he says, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's a great question. Have you? And they said, we haven't even heard that there be a Holy Spirit. So he says, how were you baptized? Now, when you get water baptized, you ought to hear that there's a Holy Spirit, right? Because you're going to get baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. So he said, man, you should have at least heard that the Holy Spirit exists. And so he says, how were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism. He explains. He says, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, telling people believe on Jesus when he comes. And when they heard this, the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 14, it says this, but if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive or unfruitful. So what happens is that, you, you, I think you know this, but 99% of your problems are in between your ears. 
It's your brain. It's your mind. All right. So what God does is he said, look, we got to, we got to somehow, we got to bypass this thing. And what God does is he has a Holy Ghost bypass operation. Right. And he bypasses your brain. And what the Bible says here is when you speak in tongues, it's not your head praying. Your head doesn't have an idea what's going on. It says your spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit in you prays. You know, we pray prayers like, Lord, bless me, my wife, our son, his wife, us four, no more, Acts 2, 4. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're praying pretty selfish, simple prayers. But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you never pray a selfish prayer. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you can pray about things you don't even know about. It's not your head praying. It's your spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit praying, bypassing your head. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 2, it says that he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Somebody says, why should I pray in tongues? Well, the first reason is this, because you're talking to God, right? Now, we call that prayer, right? How many know prayer is good? And not only is this just prayer, this is prayer with the Holy Spirit helping you pray, right? Now, here's what, what a lot of us don't understand. This, this was a big issue for me. When it came to speaking in tongues, I thought that God spoke in tongues or that he made you speak in tongues, right? So I remember I get prayed for and I've got my hand. They told me to lift your hands, lift my hands. And they said, you know, open your mouth. And I'm opening my mouth. And I'm waiting. And we said, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting for God to grab my tongue, you know, start speaking. You say, what happened? Well, about 10 or 15 minutes, maybe even more passed. You say, what happened? My mouth got real dry. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like waiting for God, all right? Because I thought that God was going to speak. But here's what I did not understand, right? Whenever there's supernatural, listen carefully, there is a part that is the human part that you do by faith. And then God does the supernatural part. God says to Moses, extend your rod over the sea. How many of you could have done that? As an act of faith, he extends his rod. God opens the sea. Moses does the natural. God does the supernatural. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick. Well, we can do that. And then God makes them recover. How many of you know you could not heal a mosquito with a bent wing? So it says in Acts 2, 4 that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues, right? As the Spirit gave them utterance. I've got the, a, a 20th century New Testament translation here. It says they began to speak with strange tongues as the Spirit prompted their utterance. In other words, the believers had a prompting or an urge to speak. And when they began to speak, then God, the Holy Spirit, gave them the utterance. They had to follow that prompting or that urge. It says they began to speak. I thought God was going to speak. But the Bible says they began to speak. And then in Acts 10, it said, heard them speak. Not God speak. It heard, they heard them speak. Acts 19, and they spoke with tongues. Not the Holy Spirit spoke with tongues. They spoke with tongues. Right? And again, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about he that speaks. He that speaks. It's talking about speaking in other tongues. It's not God that speaks. You speak as you're prompted or have the urge of the Holy Spirit. Right? So there's a natural part and there is a supernatural part. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 4, it says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now, the word, ed- we're in an edifice, right? I remember 10 years ago that this, build, first of all, we laid the, the foundations, and then they began to put steel, and they, 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 they wrapped this thing up and put it all together. It's, an edifice is something that's built up, right? And when you pray in tongues, it says you build yourself up, right? The, the actual word there, to edify, can be translated in English today as to charge, it's like if you have a dead bat, how many of you have ever had this? You go out to your car, a cold, cold winter morning, you stick that key in the ignition, and it goes tick, 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 tick. Right? You know what you need? You need to have your battery charged. You get a charger over there, you hook it up, and that charger puts a charge energy inside that battery. Now, literally, when you pray in tongues, it's like you're getting hooked up to a battery charger. Right? And it builds your f- spirit up. In, in uh, Jude, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in other tongues. It builds you up in your faith. Now, somebody says it sounds selfish to me. Well, look, if I'm broke and you need money, I can't help you. But if I've got money, I can help you. Spiritually, if you're broke and I'm not edified, I'm broke, I can't help you. But if I'm edified, if I'm built up, I can help you. Right? So really, it's not a matter of being selfish. It's a matter of being in a place where you can help others. And again, in Isaiah chapter 28, Paul pulls this out and puts it into 1 Corinthians 14. He says, this is talking about speaking in tongues. And it says, for with stammering lips in another tongue, I will speak to this people. And to whom he says, this is the rest with which you will cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. You know, sometimes the person will go to a doctor and the doctor just says, you need rest. You are burned out. The Bible says that speaking in tongues, it is the rest. It is the refreshing. You know, you may feel like you are just at the end of your rope spiritually. But when you pray in tongues, it refreshes you. It builds you up. All right. It causes the weary to rest and to be refreshed so you can mount up on wings like eagles. Now, in 1980, Jeannie and I were living in Mexico. I'm going to tell you a story. This is my favorite Pentecost story. I only get to tell it once a year. You say, I heard it before. Me too, but I want to hear it again. So just get ready. So, So we're living in Mexico. And Pastor Samuel Noguera, he calls me up. Now, he's in Tepeyapulic, Hidalgo. It's about 60, 70 miles from Mexico City. Right? Quite a small town. Um, the city right next to it is Ciudad Sagun. And uh, the Renault plant from Mexico is there. And just about everybody in that town works for Renault. Right? But he calls me up and he says, I want you to come and preach on Pentecost Sunday morning. And so we make the agreement. And I, I get there early that day and meet with the pastor. And we walk into the service. In this church, all women sit on the right side. Right? And all the men sit on the left side. And never in church do they cross the line, all right? So women here, men here. And in addition, women have to have a head covering on. Right? It talks about this in 1 Corinthians, all right? And for them, it was a sign of submission. Now, by the way, you don't need to wear a head covering. It says that your hair is given to you as a covering. But in this culture, they would wear something on their head, and it meant they were in submission. And then the other thing was... Again, this is, this is over 35 years ago, right? and it's in rural Mexico, 
and women always wore some sort of a dress. It was really worldly to wear pants. And so there's a sign outside the church that says no women in pants allowed. Right? So you got the picture. Women here, men here, head coverings, no pants. Right? Place is packed. Right? And I notice the back door. I'm, I'm up on the platform with the pastors and the elders. And, and I notice the back door opens and a guy comes in. And he makes his way probably two-thirds of the way down, and he squeezes in. But about 10 feet behind him, there's a woman. And she follows him, and she squeezes right next to him on the men's side. So immediately I know this is a sinner woman. (laughs) She sits on the wrong side. She doesn't have a head covering on, and she's wearing pants. And she's in church. And she no more than sat down. She had not sat down 10 seconds. And I'm watching. Right? And she just begins to weep. Just bawling. Right? Well, I didn't know what was going on until after the service when I talked to her. And this is what she said. She says, I'm a hairdresser. She says, and I got up this morning. I was on my way to work. She says, I was waiting at the bus stop. And she says, I don't know what happened. She says, but something just came over me. And I just started to weep. And I just said, God... My family is a mess. My life is a mess. And God, I need you to do something. God, just help me. Help me. She's praying this at the bus stop. And she opens her eyes. And there's a man standing in front of her, back towards her. And underneath his arm, he's got a black book that says Santa Biblia, Holy Bible. She opens her eyes and she sees that. And she just said in her heart, she said, I'm going with him. I'm missing work today. I'm just going to follow him. So he flags down a bus. She hops on a bus with him, sits right next to him. They go 10, 12 blocks. He pulls the cord. Bus stops. He gets off. She gets off. He walks through the back doors of the church. I saw him come in. I saw her follow. She came right in. So I preach the upper room service, the baptism of the Holy Spirit service. And remember, this is a super Pentecostal church. And so at the close of the service, now, And I'm sure I preached for an hour. It may have been an hour and a half because they like long services, right? And and, and then I said, if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I said, please come forward. And I figured, you know, 10, 12 people is going to be a landslide. But when I said that, it was like I closed my eyes and they jumped. I mean, like instantly, woof. There's 120, 150 people in the altar. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And that lady, the sinner with pants, she is right there. She is right there. All right. Now, I know she's not saved. I told you why. And you can't receive the Holy Spirit if you're not saved. You'll blow up. Something will happen because you cannot receive if you're not saved. All right. In fact, Jesus said those who believe in him should receive. All right. It's not for those who don't believe. All right. She hasn't received yet. So, crafty fellow I am, I just lead everybody in the sinner's prayer. She prays the sinner's prayer. Everybody prays the sinner's prayer. And then I lead them in a prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Luke 11, everyone that asks receives. I had them ask. So, so I come to the first lady. Right? And I said to her, I, I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. And the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. I said, and if you sense an urge, an impression to speak, you just speak those words out. 
And she shakes her head. And so I say, receive the Holy Spirit. I laid hands on her. Instantly, the Holy Spirit came on her. Both her hands shot up in the air. As God is my witness, she begins to speak in tongues as loud as she can. And when she did, instantly, everybody else in the church jumped to their feet, threw their hands in the air, and started speaking in tongues as loud as they could. It sounded like Niagara Falls. Right? Now, I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you what happened. This is just a report. And I've been preaching, and now I'm yelling, and I'm thirsty. So I go up here. And, and this is the biggest, this is like this, path, this, this uh, podium is like 12 foot across and three foot back, three foot back, glass of water here. So I get that glass of water, I'm drinking, and I'm looking, making sure everything's going fine. And one of the elders comes up. Now, he's been an elder in the church for 30 years, and he's crying. And he said to me, he said, I'm laying hands on people, and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. I said, good, get back down there. <laughs> and he said, you don't understand. He says, I've been in this church for 30 years, and I've never received the Holy Spirit. He said, but I'm laying hands on people, and they're receiving. Well, that's a sure sign that he's not the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, that it's Jesus that's the baptizer, right? But I understood immediately what the situation was. He didn't realize that it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. He thought you had to earn the Holy Spirit. And so he kept on trying to earn and earn. People sometimes call it tarrying for the Holy Spirit. And I said to him, I've got a word for you. I said, you're going to receive right now. And, and he thought like maybe God spoke to me, but I just had a word from Luke 11 that everyone that asks receives. That was my word. All right. So I went over to him and I said, no, I lay hands on you. You're going to receive instantly. He said, really? I said, oh yeah. He said, all right. And I just said, receive the Holy Spirit. I didn't even touch him. Boom. Just begins to speak in a beautiful heavenly language. You don't become super spiritual and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just like you don't become super spiritual and get saved. Salvation is a gift and the Holy Spirit is a gift. God is to be the healer of our bodies, but even more important, the healer of our soul. And today you're watching, but you're not right with God. You know you're away from the Lord. You know you're not right. And you say, I really wanna be right with God. Then I want you to bow your head Pray this prayer with me from your heart. And this is God's promise. It says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now we're going to call in his name the way the Bible tells us to. And when you do this from your heart, this is God's promise, will be saved. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You ready? Pray this out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And today... I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. My past is gone, but I'm a part of your family on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Pentecost, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv give and click on the giving option that's right for you. Have a great week. See you next time. Life gets busy, so having everything in one place is a big help. 
That's why we created the Walking by Faith app. Bringing the ability to watch weekly programs, read devotionals, take notes, and give to your favorite mobile device. And with the added feature of offline listening, you can now take Walking by Faith with you wherever you go. The new Walking by Faith app.